Oh, is there really right. nothing in the? Oh, ah! What's happening? <laughs> what? No. Oh no. Please. Oh no! Stop. What did you do, Chris? I'm doing. Just wait a second. I got it. Okay, I'm back. Also, let's find out if I'm recording really quick. I am. In yeah, fact that's probably a good thing to for check. ten minutes for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah I started at... recording when I said that thing about Hitler. You are listening to Boku No Stop, now brought to you by our new sponsor, Subowoo. Subowoo! <laughs> okay, never mind. I will be run over by the joke, just like a Subowoo, which has no safety controls whatsoever, because you know what you was doing. But still has all-wheel drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm Fletcher. Great. Good for you. Oh, oh, I'm Chris. Okay. You dipshit. <laughs> Uh, and i'm matt hi wow we do this really on top of it this time we do this every time i've only been awake for seven and a half hours jesus uh christ uh and this week we are covering episodes 21 through 24 of space runaway ideon starting with episode 21 sink the enemy battleship there is a hilarity to how we start this episode because yep. the recap tells you the solo ship was under threat due to massive energy fluctuations against GAMS, but then it put up a barrier and shrugged off his attack. That's almost a literal quote. I'm really disappointed they didn't put that, like, really awkward death um, animation there with, like, the the twin and GAMS faces. Ah. Like, that would have been so good. It the perfect thing to encapsulate what happened. Also, in another weird note, uh, this recap names the water planet in what yeah, I'm sure is yeah, the only yeah. time. Fucking Flagstar. What is that? Yeah, like it was something out of Kirby. I love it. So I just strange. have no idea where that name came from. Mm. Anyhow, we have a more important thing to discuss, which is that the Ide gauge is made of, this is real, Idionite. Is this stupider or smarter than Gundanium? Discuss. Smarter. I, sure, like, let's like go with 1%. smarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I I presume Gundanium is just an alloy that makes Gundam, that is the Gundam. Like, that is yep. what they're made out of. But is there, like, that's it to it? Like, it yeah. just exists, and they found it, and then they made super robots out of them? 100%. All right. Sure. That's what separates a Gundam from a mobile suit. So, so but the thing is, are they? Is it naturally occurring? Are any of these naturally occurring? They're all man-made. Uh, unsure on idionite. Gundanium is a formula that is not really worked out and made casual for a while. Gotcha. Yeah, they're both really dumb. It makes more sense here, at least, because like we're supposed to believe this thing is nearly invincible. But the pro- that that raises the Except question, the though. Like, how do you fucked up every episode? Yeah, and then how do you fix it if you don't have more of it? Are they, like, taking parts of the solo ship apart and putting it on the Ideon? It's just, we're supposed to believe it's just laying around inside the solo ship, which is largely unexplored. Yeah, we actually find out during this episode that there's a chunk they still haven't gotten into. That's still hilarious. That's Mm -hmm. like, I I just finished playing Wolfenstein 2, and there's that bit where it's like, oh, there's a whole bunch of Nazis just hiding in section F of this uh, giant U-boat, and we just have to go find them. It's so so dumb. dumb. It's like there's just I like an that entire sewers inside yeah. your base full of Nazis. Oh, and, yeah, they, and they were there for like six months or something, and they hadn't given themselves away, and they were going insane from starvation. Yo, I got bad news. We've had a bunch of Nazis hiding on our bases longer than six months. Ah, uh, true. Nazis true. be like, "I'm in your base, killing your dudes." I mean, that's precisely. More like cops. <laughs> Anyhow. 
Uh, Harulu is gonna just head home for a bit. She got a fucking book. George R. R. Martin finally finished that seventh one in the year 3009. So she's just not gonna do anything this week, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they set course for home. And Piper Lou chases a frog-flying-squirrel hybrid onto the bridge, so Cheryl starts making cat noises and hissing at it, because that's what normal people do. Of course, this is also when the light sh- shines a lot, like the idiom gauge, and they're like, what could have caused that? I don't know. Yeah, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're getting closer. Yep. Yeah. But it turns out that the solo ship is now growing so powerful, it's literally warping time and space, so it's sucking Harulu's battleship towards it in hyperspace. Uh, how, does, how does this work? There's a, oh, no, that's later when they do the DS break. It has this cool new animation where it's a bunch of white outlines that split out. Like, yeah. yeah. That, that rules. That's one of my three notes for these episodes. It's like the menu screen for this DVD. It is, is it? also the yeah. picture on the disc. That also makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so so wait. This doesn't really. I mean, I guess the point is that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But, right. Because it's like they're traveling in different directions, yet somehow they're in the same hyperspace area. Yeah. Uh, How does that work? Does it matter? It is supposed to be Harulu sets course for the solo Earth or the buff Earth. And then she gets to the point where one of her engineers is like, uh, there's something weird going on here. It's like, nope, nope, coordinates are entered right, hit the button. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they start phasing in and out next to the solo ship, which is going in a completely different direction. And yet, they, uh, like, by the time they land, like, they are both in the same place again, like, for real. Like, they just teleport that ship. So, they know why that is. It's because... Darum gives Harulu the warning, hey, get up, come out of hyperspace at these coordinates. And oh, they and pick they that them. transmission yeah, up. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So they they triangulate that way and end up in the same real space location. Yeah. Not DS, like hyperspace location. Yeah, they're like trying to get the most out of their like energy Viagra. That's kind of a good metaphor for how it is. this whole thing well, is. Yeah. Well, you gotta use it. Yup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, this is a point where they, they both kind of hesitate to start shooting at each other, and eventually the solo ship just goes, like, they're not attacking us first, we should probably just try to kill them now. Uh, and uh, Kerala, they're like, Harulu, like, launches one of their, their mechs out there, and the Ideon goes out, and they're basically just, like, sending these people out to die. <laughs> first of all, this is one of my only other notes for this thing, is that when they, after they send the mech out, they're like, how's it doing? And then she's just like... Yeah. <laughs> Prepare a kill in action report promoting these two also. <laughs> yeah. Love yeah. It. Yeah. And then, like, they immediately die. Uh-huh. Uh, so anyway, so, like, she was just ahead of the curve. Yeah, she she knew this was going to be fodder. Yeah. You know, it would be really funny if they ended up surviving and they're like, what the fuck happened? Like, I'm not officially dead. And then, uh... Bess and Kerala are talking because they're going to blow up. They want to blow up the battleship. And she, Bess is like, Kerala, you understand that it can't survive against the so- solo ship, right? And then uh, she, Kerala just goes, do it, Bess. It's better fate for my stubborn sister than to continue on being strong minded like a woman. Better to die like a bitch than live like a bitch. <laughs> Yikes. Uh. Yeah, yeah. She's, like, kind of over the whole sisterly thing. She's like, she might as well be dead glad, at this point. Glad she's dead so we can bring EJ back. By the way, this this gets weird, too. Like, we'll get to it when we he get to totally those later different. episodes. Uh, he's he slick, slicked his hair back like his boss, you know? Yeah, but they he, all have, <laughs> like, defined hair now instead I, of well, just... It looks so weird. They all look like different characters all of a sudden. DJ's doing that thing like in that Gillette commercial where the guy like shaves his head bald because the guy he's going to interview with is bald because that's a thing that matters. Yo, I will not have you shit talking hot DJ. Anyhow, uh, uh-huh. with everyone getting so bloodthirsty that they're like, we have to fight all we've got today. So there won't be a fight tomorrow. Uh, the Ideon starts rejecting everyone's bloodthirst and splits the robot up. The Glen cannon overheats on the thing and explodes. And the buffer, like, this is not 
right? So we, we skipped should... the main plot element that has been happening, which is that the Idion Gage is started the episode powered up and has continued to get more and more power put into it. Like the Idion is powering yeah. up for reasons unknown. And then finally, it has too much big dick energy and the dick cannon explodes. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what happens. Also, uh, Harulu Smithers keeps insisting she put on her spacesuit in case this whole thing goes tits up. Mm-hmm. And so, next header, it goes tits up. I mean, it does. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the buff ship gets hailed by someone from outside of hyperspace, who I already said is Darum. And he tells them to withdraw at nearby coordinates. So they do. The solo ship hears the transmission, and Corella translates it, knowing she signed her sister's death warrant, and kind of sobs a little after she does so. Both ships emerge in buff territory near the signal. They're like at the planet fitness. Yeah. Neither can disengage without becoming a target for the other's long-range weapons, so both decide close combat is the best move. The Idion yep. Combiner begins stabilizing, but then uh, Kasha legit runs over some of the troops that are flying down to the fucking solo ship. It's there's pretty a lot wild. of good yeah. that happens here. Oh yeah, there's a lot of like, oh, one of the solo ship guys kills a dude and then gets killed with a rocket. Like, a lot of the dudes in spacesuits fight around murdering each other. Um, Lada and Lin are told to arm the uh -huh. civilians, get them uh -huh. to the core of the ship, and the two of them draw guns and fire on the people coming into the thing. Yeah, Lada ends up killing somebody and Lada, freaks out about it. Lada, leave it to someone like Lada, can only knife him in the back and fucking punks out when you have to knife him in the front. No problem shooting at fucking H Karala the whole time. Yep. Yeah. And she like, it, for her, it's like a reflex too. She wasn't, she was getting shot at and like, I don't think she intentionally aimed at the guy. So yeah, she immediately gets PTSD once a guy collapses and dies by her hand. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cosmo and Kasha immediately take two. If we destroy the battleship and scatter the buff, then we've got this sound, uh, all solved. So they charge directly at the bridge with the Ideon. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> this scene is actually pretty wild because the Ideon is going ham on the battleship. But mm -hmm. uh, they're just firing every remaining armament on this thing to push it back and get some more yeah. time. Well, but it keeps punching holes in the side of the ship and, like, getting guys flung out of it. Or, like, punch a hole and then just shoot into the hole to murder them. Uh, also, Harulu is just sitting on her bridge, now in the spacesuit, going, uh, Is Darum Zuba watching my slow, torturous death from somewhere? Because this is when we find out who it is that hailed them. And the answer is yes, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So the buff make it all the way to the bridge and actually shoot Bess, uh, as well mm -hmm. as killing multiple people at the consoles. But out the front window, they see how much the Ideon is fucking up the battleship and they pull back to defend their Shogun. Yeah, like doesn't... What's the name of the guy on the like on the console? It's like Harada or something? Yeah. Like the guy that... Cause like he makes a he has a weird face earlier in this episode when he's reading like the the gauges and he's got like one really thin eyebrow and one really tall one but it looks like he's trying to make like a confused face. They, it's very strange. That guy's but, eyebrows do look like stairs. <laughs> yeah, but like he 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 doesn't get murdered, but the guy who looks identical next to him gets murdered. Bess actually gets another ice cold line here, which is. Move the ship away from the buff battleship so we're not caught in the explosion. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. Dude, when you yeah. kill the light warden, they emit all the ether. Uh, and Corella's just like, Sister, this is the end of our days of hating each other. Again, way too casual about fratricide. I'm, I'm kind of beginning to wonder if this whole thing was as one-sided as we made it look earlier. It's really hard to tell, honestly. Like, there just isn't a lot of uh, interaction between them we see f from the past. We don't really know what their relationship is, like, that much. Good news! We're going to go back into the past next episode. Uh, Harulu launches herself out of an escape pod, and before Cosmo and friends can murder her, an unknown ship comes out of nowhere, harasses the Ideon, and flies off outside its reach. 
Yeah, and it's notable that we we haven't seen this thing before. It looks like a heavy mech. It's purple, and uh, it's much faster than the military ones. Well, also the weapons before. are way better. Also, like they completely just yeah. body the Idion with one laser blast. Yeah, it doesn't like, body it, but it I say harass because it's like it doesn't take damage, but it also knocks them off their game enough that they can't pursue. Right. So Harulu gets away. Yep. So, mm -hmm. so Harulu and the ship pull over on a nearby planet where we see that roughly six dudes are alive from her entire battleship. Uh, yep. The commander comes out of the mech and goes, apologies, we held back on your rescue to see what the enemy was capable of. Harulu basically says he's full of shit. Uh, and uh, she's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. But she points out that whatever this craft is that saved her, it is not buff military. And all the commander says is, well, you haven't changed. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to spoil this now. Remember when we said that Harulu had an ex who jilted her at the fucking altar? This is that guy. That that makes sense. Are they like yeah. separatists? No, they, they say that they want to overthrow the the. Um, the royal family like they want to take the emperor over and the, the military they would like to become the ruling power yeah yeah so it's less of a separatist more of just they want a coup look it was an illegitimate election <laughs> minions law we have to get the guns anyway so he tells her that he risked his life to get the ship and she's welcome to use it to return home if she brings it back quickly she spits back she'll do so because she doesn't want to be in his debt for an instant. And the the funny thing is, he says, like, I had to risk my life to get this ship. And I'm like, where did... Uh, so you stole a super powerful, like, two super powerful mechs from somewhere that wasn't the military. And now yep. you use it as part of your mercenary crew. Yeah, they're a PMC, which is wild. Yeah. Anyway, as she stalks angrily towards the ship, there is one soldier saluting her. It's Gijay, mm -hmm. who is probably the reason anyone even came out here to help her. Yup. Gijay is back. And on the solo ship, Cosmo pitches that the Ide power is basically toying with them, and Cheryl just goes, You know, until we figure out how it works, it's basically the same whether you're right or not. Ideon! So now it's episode 22, The Legend Lives Again. This is a clip show. It's a mid-season recap of the first four episodes, which a lot of television in the era did because there were no home releases or reruns to catch up. So if someone wanted to come in in the middle, you did a mid-season episode like this. We're done! Mm. Hooray! <laughs> no, honestly, if any of you guys wanted to say anything about it, go nuts. I mean, it's just we weird that... That's really inconvenience yeah. having to click, click, click skip chapter about five times. Seven! Well, you gotta skip the intro, the episode... Well, that's why, that's why you just back out to the main menu the and pick the next thing. I'm not gonna do that. I'd have to get, I'd have to get my keyboard, because this awful Blu-ray software uh, does not use the mouse, obviously. Because it's Chris is all about efficiency of clicks, because he's some kind of fucking monster. Yeah. I mean, this literally took me three button presses on my controller. Too many. I used a PS4 controller. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you hit, what is it? You hit square, you move one down, you hit X. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, I, I watched like the first five minutes of this, like it one and a half speed before I realized, like, I'm like, this looks very familiar. Let's see if there's anything new. And then I asked and they're like, no, it's actually just clips. I realized none of you had watched the episodes early because nobody had gone, hey, wait, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, until I asked about it last night. What's going on with Look, this? I can barely remember this, and I watched it like five hours ago. You do not want me to watch this even a day before. That's fair. <laughs> I'm just saying, as the notes taker, I go over these in loving detail. Ask me about how many Haro deaths there have been. The little Haro robots, the ball guys. Uh, five? Seven. Seven, wow. I didn't even, I, I only saw it the one time you pointed it out. Anyhow, episode 23, The Shocking Decoy Planet. And this is where we get back to war crimes. Hell yeah. Uh-huh. But... 
Uh, this is straight up the start of the back half of the series. In fact, in the movies, we resume from this point uh, at Be Invoked. Yeah, this is a... At this episode, I was like, I can't believe Fletcher hasn't just fucking watched Battlestar Galactica. He would like it. I watched parts of it. I just never kept up with it because it had such a weird release schedule. Mm-hmm. I think it's all on Netflix. You know, it's a thought. It's just... I binge so poorly, I would be going through it for the next six months. Well, that's yeah, I, I feel that. Dog, it has it has a really weird last couple of seasons, my guy. I am well aware that it is by my dude from DS9, which is plus Ron Moore. <laughs> Sorry, there's that port, there's a Portlandia sketch where they try to track down the writer of Battlestar Galactica and they just go to some random Ronald D. Moore's house. Okay, that's actually a really good idea for a sketch. It's very uh-huh. good, actually. Uh-huh. Anyway, so the solo ship's been hearing uh, distress calls from a nearby colony world called uh, Corale uh, for about half an hour, just saying, you know, we're under attack, please help. Um, and they gather on the bridge to talk about whether or not they should respond to this, and Cosmo's pro-intervention uh cheryl is of course you know is being like let's not do that remember ajian and she gets overruled shocking because everybody because her... i definitely expected her to go i wonder if they have a computer i could use she already used the computer she has the data you i already used the computer today and that doesn't stop me from wanting to use the computer uh, yeah that's why you keep fucking erasing half our notes mr use you. the computer <laughs> The crew's consensus is they will head in that direction, given yeah. that it's three days away, and they can debate along the path. Which, you know, reasonable. Sure. So we get a little scenes of- this is actually pretty rare, just some everyday life without them being attacked, now that they think they've destroyed the buff. Yeah. Among the ship, things are pretty peaceful. A barber tells Deck he's getting a haircut for free, quote, because it might be his last time. Hmm. Like, so here's the thing. I, I read these scenes as being everybody is still really tense about being on the ship. Like, they still have, like, ship cabin fever going on. And, it, you know, because you have, like, uh, what is it? Lynn getting, like, like Luke shoots some food, like, flicks some food on her and she gets uh, frustrated about it. And, you know, you have this scene with the haircutting. Like, it just seemed like like nobody's relaxed. Um... I definitely took it as people are relaxed. Like, they're not being attacked. They think the threat's over. Because I thought they they know that Harulu got away. They know that Harulu got away, but they also just kind of suspect, like, hey, this was the person haranguing us. We're free. Yeah, I would say, like, I don't know. If she wasn't dead, I would presume that, like, she would at least somehow try to come back at them. It reads like an extreme amount of tension, given that it's immediately prefaced with it will take us X amount of hours to get to this planet where war crimes are happening, and we're going mm-hmm. to go militarily intervene. Hmm. So it's yeah. definitely like calm before the storm stuff. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's kind of how I read it. Either way, it's still a pretty unique chunk because we have not yeah, really seen downtime like this. Yeah, it's been a minute. Uh, so, in the mess hall while we're traveling, the pilots and the scientists are discussing Cheryl's findings about the Ide gauge. The short version is the gauge seems to power up the most when everyone is afraid, based on the readings from her helmet monitors. And Cosmo's like, oh, so we could just think about pissing ourselves and it'll become godlike? And she's like, no. The voice mm-hmm. acting is very good. It sounds very sarcastic when he, like, you can even tell it's very sarcastic even though it's in a foreign language. Uh, when they give them something with a bit of meat, these voice actors are doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of note at this point, we learn there's still an area of the ship which nobody has been able to examine near the main engine, off-limits due to a magnetic field they can't penetrate. Anyhow, everyone arrives at the planet Corale, because it currently looks like a cratered shithole due to the assault. Yep. One person describes it as being like Earth at the time of Genesis, which means soon one of Corale's moons will leave for a solo career and the planet will go synth pop. This is very upsetting. <sighs> I will have you know I have seen Peter Gatorill live on his current Much last like tour. Much like should have happened to Genesis, half the planet was completely annihilated via by <laughs> sublight missiles. Uh, <laughs> and then they send out the mecha to perform recon. 
and the surface looks uh. very similar to Ajian after the sublight missile attacks. Uh, R.I.P. Peter Frampton. Yeah, whatever. No one cares. <laughs> it's fine. He comes alive again. It's fine. <laughs> Every time you put that record back on. Uh. Oh my god. That's actually a really good joke I didn't expect from you too. <laughs> it's just like a bunch of LEDs in the middle that when you put your 16 speed really fast there's like a uh -huh. ghost to Peter Frampton god no it would be worse like if, if he were haunting people with his um with a uh, like their TVs just playing the uh, Sgt. Pepper's movie over and over again y'all know that we it. live in an era where we could have holograms of Frampton and Tupac on the same stage right Fuck yes. So the backing band for Hatsune Miku. <laughs> We've just mispronounced every single name out of all three of those at some Luckily, point, so I'm, let's move on. Luckily, I'm very sick, so I have an excuse. Have fun cutting out all the parts where I go... Oh, that's Wait, an easy thing for me to do. Wait, Chris, were you about to say you didn't know there was a movie? Yeah, definitely. Also, uh, yeah, no, it's it's terrible, and it's like... Well, yeah, because uh, it's a terrible album. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Here's no, it's the thing. even way worse than that, Chris. They do covers. They do weird-ass covers. Did you ever want to hear Aerosmith do the Beatles? Kind of. I actually kind of no, like that version. I don't, don't hate no. it. I don't no. hate it. It's not the best, but I don't hey, hate Fletcher, it. Hey, Fletcher, what if I told you that there's a unique cover of uh, All Along the Watchtower from Battlestar Galactica? I've heard it. Oh, yeah. it's, it's weird. Yeah. The sitar but, cover? Yeah. I've yeah, yeah, very weird. But, but the, the, the best also, part I about the movie... It. Yeah. The, the the best part about that movie is like they decided that Peter Frampton like the backing band would be the Bee Gees because that made sense. Yeah, it's like, actually it's what if fucking yeah. band was the Fugees instead. <laughs> that would be Tupac and the Fugees and the uh, the Wiz style remake. Oh yeah, please. Actually, please you know what? That, I kind of want that. That I, weird I army that. commercial. Look out, everyone! Here I come! It's the Walrus. <laughs> oh my god! I'm gonna find you. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, there's a lot of really nice pilot and co-pilot scenes in each mech as all of them split up to cover more ground. Call me Marvel. Uh -huh. <laughs> this is the stupidest. Ah, uh, so the survivors who are holed up in a wrecked building fire on Cosmo nervously, but Deck really fucks up because he shoots a missile at them. Uh-huh. Just deck ready for the U.S. military. Yeah, no kidding. That kid, that kid is taking over Kasha's murder mantle. I heard there was hard. a wedding happening here. Uh, <laughs> oh God, there are children involved. There are children here. Yes. Uh, thankfully, Cosmo is a real American sniper because he shoots the thing out of the sky before it can kill everyone they came to save. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty sick shot, actually. To to hit a missile like that, like in such cl uh, close range. Yeah, there, there should be definitely fast. be more like shrapnel. He should be in risk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of mistrust, but both sides basically figure out, Jesus, there's a kid here, and kind of come to a truce. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. Deck then sees something on the sensors, and Cosmo tells all the innocents to get underground, because they're about to take off. There's a buff ship, all right. What is this lady's name? Kitty? That is Kitty, Kitty Kitten. Yes, Fuck. it is. God damn it. Yeah, I thought that was a joke. No. No, like I swear, like the first time he said it, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and then I saw it later happen again. I'm like, oh, it's Miss Kitten. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> you're welcome. Oh. In case you didn't think that Tomino was a giant hippie, she's a major character. Well, oh. Well, at least she isn't a furry, I guess. I don't know. With Matt, name, like, I have Ms. bad Ms. news Kitten. for you. Tamino uh, I, would I never know. touch furries. Was that a bad news or a good? I'm confused. I thought Tamino was pro-sex. What happened? <laughs> I said pro-sex. Tamino is all about the fucking. You don't need any of that extra hair. Uh, Such a bad name for a person. Anyway, back to the uh. stuff that I'm not going to cut out. <laughs> You're not gonna cut that part about where Matt admitted to being horny for Tulsi is the cold, cold open. <laughs> sure, go for it. No, <laughs> no, I'm don't sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> you know what? 
Maybe I will just make a weird cold open bonus episode to this one. Vote, <laughs> vote with your dick, and that's why I said all those things about Hitler. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. Can, there's can... so many incredibly stupid things. Also, I expect you're going to like have a horrible howl when you see the next section heading. Did you just say power egg? He said the power of editing. What the fuck? The power of editing. He said power egg, and I'm like, Chris. That what Chris, it's called look. when a millionaire joins Twitter. No, 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 it'd be like, be like fucking goop with its jade eggs. Uh, I gotta get all that good vibes inside you. Anyhow, I'm gonna try and blaze us through the thing that I've tried three times now. The Earth survivors go to a subway tunnel underground as sub as shelter. The mech, uh, Gangarov, is not buff military. It is a higher spec and has defenses akin to the Ideon tech. Not even the Idio Delta's focused fire can break its barrier. The buff pilot plans to use the netted delta as bait to get the other mech nearby, but Cosmo flies the craft between two toppled skyscrapers to shake the net and mech. And before they can dock, Gijay emerges, who is one of the only people to fight the mecha and live, and he's been waiting for them to enter docking to spring out and begin a surprise attack. Yeah. People are very vulnerable while docking. It's true. Uh, indeed. <laughs> very few defenses. So, let's get to one of the stupidest things in this entire series, which is oh, the fact- I forgot it's called Donovan! Yep, that was it! Why is it called that? No one will ever explain why. Weird. So, the, the unknown buff are using tech beyond whatever the solo pilots have seen. They've weaponized Gijay's research to create microparticles called Donovan that disrupt the docking barrier. Basically, this means they have armor-piercing weapons for the Ideon and Solo ship. Let's see. But they would have ha, what they would have gotten that from Gijay, right? Yeah, it's explicitly okay. based off his research they released. Yeah, Creating particles the, in HTML5 canvas. I mean, because it's interesting that like they later, um, what what is the guy's name? Duram, like, yeah. says like we only brought you on because you know you, you've experienced stuff with this uh, robot, but it's like also. He gave you the ability to harm it, so, like, he's more important than that. Duram is... Donovan is a Scottish singer, songwriter, and guitarist. Yeah, he's he good. I like him. eclectic, distinctive style that blended folk, jazz, pop, psychedelia, and world music, notably Calypso. Yeah, Donovan actually is legit good. Yeah, Solved I like him it. a lot. Never heard of it. Barabajaggle. Good song. Also, if you search for Ideon, if you search for an Ideon <laughs> thing where you can't Jeff find Beck's it, on that you just start getting search results for Gideon. Which is very good. That is actually really fun. <laughs> Thank you, Duck Duck Go. Uh, Donovan's Bible. Not a what a what a bad search engine. <laughs> but but Chris, sometimes they plant tree. No wait, that's Ecosia. Never mind. Never mind. Look, look, I can either give a giant corporation all my data, or I can use the internet like it's two thousand and four all over again, and that's what I'm doing. Or you can use Bing and get fucking Xbox points. So porn. I do use crazy. I'm looking for porn. It's <laughs> very good it? at it. Do you yeah, get bonus gamer points for that? Absolutely. Also, I I get all my I get all my Bing points every day when I type something incorrectly into the Windows uh, Start menu, and then it just searches for it on Bing instead. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I get that's how I get all my daily Bing points. Ah, uh, that's that's hilarious, actually. Anyway. I'm going to quickly get us through the bat last chunk of this episode. Uh-huh. Because we have stalled for almost a half hour now. I can't believe Hooray. we're so long. Who's yeah, even in yeah. charge of this? <laughs> I thought we were going to go real quick because we only had three episodes today. Whoops, nope. eggs on my fucking face. <laughs> what, what, whatever you're into. Anyhow. Uh, Cosmo turns the tables <laughs> by using his... Podcast. <sighs> <laughs> I dare you to get through this, you huh? fucking won't. I could just remove you. I could remove you for ten minutes at a time and no one will notice anything different, you absentee podcast landlord. Dude, you fucking beta cuck. Fletcher calls a bluff. He just cold open. Cut me out, I dare you, you won't. It's like a twenty minute podcast where Fletcher eats all the notes. <laughs> That's already what this show is. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cosmo uh, turns the tables by ramming the enemy with his 
GJ still has Donovan tech and can still harry their combination, so the pilots just go, what if we turn off the barrier to combine? It works! Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a pretty good fight between Gongarov and Ideon before Cosmo uses the mech's speed to get a crushing blow-in, and as GJ flees in an escape pod, another mech fires a device. While the heroes celebrate, the new pilot tells GJ, oh yeah, I just launched a nuke at them. So the buff mech leaves orbit, and a massive detonation fills the skies of Karale. You know, the weird thing about that that animation, though, is that you can see the Ideon, like, on top of the explosion animation the entire time, so you know it's, like, obviously you know it's not gonna die, but, like, you'd think they would, like, cover it up. It just looks a little weird. Eh. You're only gonna uh. use that explosion two times. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, I don't think that's a spoiler. The Ideon survives the blast, but it's taken some rough damage. The entire left shoulder has melted, and Cosmo's mech, the top part of it, was rocked, with him being flung so hard his helmet is shattered and cracked. Can you imagine what Gundam 79 would be like if Amuro wasn't wearing a seatbelt? Well, to be fair, he doesn't have a full-size cockpit. He just has, like, a hole for a person. Well, it was more a joke about how the number one animation reuses him being flung back and forth inside of his seatbelt reasonable Mm -hmm. and this week our weekly dose of buff chat comes at the end aboard a new class of ship they've hidden among the asteroids a more dapper gije is talking with the commander who says they definitely need to capture the mecha now that they know it's powerful enough for their needs Mm -hmm. so this is where they reveal they just want to stop the emperor's dictatorship uh since it doesn't really come up this is emperor zuo gande of the buff clan Mm mm-hmm The two men and all this tech come from the Ome Foundation, the faction that Gijay has now allied himself with, who seek to gain power in place of both the Emperor and the military. Yeah, which explains why they were totally fine with letting Harulu die, except they didn't let her die, which is curious. Well, you know, that becomes a bargaining chip when you can say, hey, we saved your daughter. Or like, hey, uh, abdicate or we will kill her or something. Well, she's the military man's daughter, not the emperor's. Oh, okay, okay. Her father, Doba, is the supreme commander of the military. That's right. It's a different, that's a different person. I'm going to just, I'm going to just let on here because it's only going to matter a little into the next episode. Uh, Emperor Zuo is not really a thing. I think he's only seen on camera once. Really? Yeah. You might guess that he comes to a bad end. Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, it's very interesting. Like, I wish we knew more about why Gije is all of a sudden helping, helping the, you know, a faction that is essentially going to overthrow the government he worked for. He thinks, oh, these guys are going to value me for my technical contributions. And next episode, he finds out, nah, son. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting, though, like, because you think of a guy who is obsessed with honor and such wouldn't betray like the entire oaths or whatever he took with the military. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, the wrap up is Cosmo chatting with Kitty Kitten, the blue haired woman who had a gun on him earlier. Her father was a soldier killed in the buff assault, and she's a little bitter about the whole thing. Imagine that! Commander Kitten had to have been his name! Yes. Guess what? If a guy gets to the rank of commander and his last name is Kitten and you're stupid enough to start shit with him, I don't think you're going far in the military. You're gonna... Well, you mess with the kitten, you get the claws. Oh my god, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 24, Strike the Infiltrating Gorillas. Guess what happens? I know, right? Uh Uh-huh. Ah, uh, Dharam and Gijay are a pretty good combo, and so the two see the solo ship and Mecha haven't moved in a while, and immediately conclude they either need supplies or their tech is damaged, and either way, there's trouble, which is an opportunity for us. They move their ship into a good position and wait for a moment to strike. On the planet, Kitty has told them that she will get them supplies as long as they promise to get the fuck off of Karale. Cosmo is their contact with the girl because the two are clearly growing close, but he steps in it a little when he thanks the luck of her father being a munitions officer, and she's just like, I would love to not discuss my dead father, thank you. I mean, like, she just gave up military secrets, like, hey, this is where we keep all our guns and stuff. <laughs> like, that's kind of a big deal. But yeah. Oh, like, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, 
I mean, the thing is, he he definitely says like, oh, well, I, you know, he, he could have just said like, I lost my dad too, but instead he's like, oh, we all lost people, which is also true, but. So the solo ship approaches the base, a mountain installation known as Stagra, and a Karalian officer flies up going, who the fuck told you about this place? It's not common knowledge. They are smart enough not to reveal Kitty Kitten is giving them all this intel. The officer is none too happy to have Cosmo, who he just calls a child, calling him on the fact that nobody in the region is alive to need the supplies stored here. Man, finally Japan recognizes like a 15-year-old is not an adult. Best then pulls a gun on the commander and goes, I'm not afraid of treason charges. You should probably tell them to let us in. So they leave mm -hmm. the Ideon fully transformed and half-manned, at the mouth of the base to act as a defense. When they land and the troops approach the ship, Commander Parkinson is handed the mic, who immediately goes, don't give them shit, and says he's not afraid to die. Yeah, like, what else do you think he was gonna do? <laughs> so, from atop the Ideon, Kitty says she'll do what she can. She knows a lot of the troops stationed here, and she assists once again. She's really only doing this so they fuck off as quick as they can. So, the buffs send out their little chicken walker scouts, which we haven't seen in a while. And a heavy mech begins creating a distraction by attacking the front of the base. Gigi and his command sneak in through a side tunnel and come face to the face with the Ideon. And then he goes, it's not moving. No one's on it. Gigi decides, hey, we're going to hotwire this motherfucker and leave before we all die. So he calls for a bit of backup and Darum goes, D do it yourself. You guys rely too much on mechas. Your generation relies too much on mech <laughs> mechs, which is what he says is very funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, okay, boomer. Uh, so Gigi takes six men on board the robot, and they kill an unnamed co-pilot as he moves around the mech. Cosmo is returning and sees them climb aboard, radioing a warning. It reaches the solo ship, but not his fellow pilots. Kasha might not have been paying the most attention. Uh, she becomes aware of them, though, when the robot starts up, and she radios in on the monitor and sees Gigi. He recognizes her, and she's like, uh, what the fuck? Also, since when was there a button on the Ideon that is like, let me take over this entire robot? When did that happen? I don't know. And how does Gijay know about it? He just recognizes what tech looks like, man. He's He studied all the six, uh, six mm -hmm. civilization shit that was left on Solo. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cosmo Tony hawks up the cavern wall to get a transport onto the mech, and uses <laughs> gravity to kill the guard near the entrance like Rambo McDonald. <laughs> so, the uh, the pilots on the mech are told that if they leave the rooms they are allowed in, they will die, because Gijay's men have wired explosives around the doors. In the skies of Karale, Dara moves in on his mech, and all of the remaining Karale forces engage the battleship. This is as one-sided as you think it would be. Mm -hmm. On the solo bridge, Kitty confronts Commander Parkinson, who is watching all his men sacrifice themselves in vain. Uh, and Bess, Cosmo, and some red shirts all start scaling the mech to take it back, which Gijay is beginning to figure out the controls on. I'll take a screenshot. He Gijay T-poses the robot and launches all the missiles on the arms at the solo ship. They get their barrier up just in time, but the cavern is quickly becoming a ruin. And Parkinson mentions that if a shot passes either the Ideon or the Solo ship, they might just have the whole place go up in smoke if it hits the munitions. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Kerala realizes that their foe are mercenaries because these are not military tactics. Parkinson hears this and asks the entirely reasonable question, Who the fuck are you? And the bridge crew go, Our tactical advisor, shut up and sit down. Mm-hmm. So she tells the bridge, keep Gijay from moving the mech, just ram it with the solo ship. And this works pretty well, knocking them over, just as Cosmo breaks into the cockpit of the Ideon with the aid of an elevator and a rocket launcher. Mm -hmm. However, at this point, it gets wild because Gijay has figured out how to eject his chunk of the robot, launching them out and dangling Cosmo over an empty shaft into space. Gijay recognizes Cosmo, but again, nobody recognizes Gijay in his fucking spacesuit. So the battle is a stalemate until the craft, without either of the men in the pilot seat, slams into the earth, and Cosmo regains his footing first, throwing a knife into Gijay's chest. They, uh, they screw this up, though. To be fair, he's kind of treating this whole thing like, hey, I know you guys, we're all old buds here, and Cosmo's like, 
Fuck you. What the fuck is this? Yeah. He's got a really weird tone in this episode because he's like, ah, Kasha, we meet again. And everyone's just like, who the fuck is in the robot suit? Yeah. It's like when Maximilian Pegasus shows up again in season four and is very surprised that everyone's mad at him. I know what all those words mean individually, but I can't read that sentence together. Like, just can we not have a Pegasus in this podcast, please? No. Pegasus, Pegasi are bad in anime. Fudge knows this. It's a person! I know. Still bad. I un- yeah, that Pegasus was a person, <laughs> too. Pegasus was also a person. <laughs> what are we talking about? Sailor Moon. Oh, look. We don't talk about the horse. We don't talk Chris. about the horse. Well, I, I talked about the horse. I apologize. We've explicitly talked about horses a lot. No, but on this, this horse. Podcast. This particular horse. Did you ever want a horse to try and romance an 800-year-old, 5-year-old? Because yeah, it happened. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck me up, fam. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> do we Let's have talk a show about Super S. Let's just make a watch only Super S. You know what? That <laughs> would actually be really funny. That would be funny. <laughs> With the weird uh, sexual predator trio. I do watch these while my family's asleep. It would be very fitting. Chris, Chris, you would love the Dream Mirrors. You would absolutely love the Dream Mirrors. He would also probably love Pegasus because he loves garbage. <laughs> don't try, don't try to fucking project onto me accurately, oh, yeah. you motherfucker. <laughs> Dream Mirror Sailor Moon. Oh, this Chris, Chris. All right, let's find out about this. Basically, these guys like. They're trying to find the horse, which is hiding in people's dreams. And holy the shit, people... who does this? Oh my god! No, 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 no! Yeah, you don't know they, what I'm talking they, about. The, I'm talking the worst... about the cursor override oh. on <laughs> SailorMoon.fandom.com, which I recommend you check out. This cursor override. Oh yeah, it's the moon stick, right? It's yep. so big, stick. though. It's really big. It's the size of like f- five vertical lines. Yeah. But basically, Chris, like, they search people's dreams by um, forcing this mirror out of their chest, and then they stick their heads in while they blush and say, don't, don't look, please. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a metaphor for what you think. It's by the guy who would do Utena. Yeah. You got that end of Evangelion energy going on Dude, right there. And, and like, the, the sides of the, like... When they like they spread the mirror open too, like it's it like bends at the at the frame. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's really bad. <laughs> All right, hold up. Let's go. Uh, Pegasus Sailor Moon. Oh, this should be good. <laughs> Safe search. <laughs> yes. Images. Very disappointed. It's just a oh, this one has a dick. There we go. <laughs> I had to scroll down a while. Some of this is very... Ch- Why does this character have no hair like a chemo patient? That's not right. <laughs> uh. Anyway, from the sidelines, Darum goes, Ah, oh, this is all going to hell, because the combiners come back under Earth control, and the solo ship busts out of the cavern, firing all weapons. DJ leaves the mech wounded and fires a signal flare for assistance. Darum just goes, God damn it, he ran away again. <laughs> Trivia. Although he is always referred to as a Pegasus, his horde technically makes him an alicorn or a winged unicorn. <laughs> uh, Cosmo calls out for the others to combine because the Idio Delta is damaged from its crash landing. The solo ship moves out in front of them to act as a shield, but they're all aware the enemy has barrier-piercing weapons now, so this is risky as hell. The giant is formed, and the solo ship gets the hell out of Dodge, with the pilots deciding they should just cut down the mechs harrying their flagship. Anyhow, Cosmo pilots the Ideon in for some tech and shit, dodging and weaving past the enemy mech until he can get in close for a killing blow, and the mechs begin retreating. So the Ideon pilots pull back, not wanting to risk a nuke being thrown at them directly next to the solo ship. Nobody wins! Mm-hmm. Uh, on board the solo ship, Commander Parkinson gets to grapple with the fact that literally every soldier on Karale is now dead save himself. The buff clan may still attack them tomorrow, and he can do literally nothing about any of this. Karala brings Bess and the pilots up to speed about the fact their opponents today weren't a military, but a PMC, and Cosmo gets hype as hell about this because he goes, That means they don't have backup or numbers. We've got all the remaining supplies on Karale. We can totally do this. 
And in space, Darum tells Geechee, Look, I don't think you made a mistake running away. I ran away today, but we don't get paid if we don't get the mecha. Mm-hmm. When Gije suggests the radical new strategy of let's be clever instead of throwing bodies into a meat grinder, Darum tells him to shut the fuck up and sit down. End of episode. Uh, and that is our episode for this week. Any thoughts on where we're at? Like, the most interesting thing is the stuff you don't really see here, which is like, wait, there's uh, a faction that wants to overthrow the... Um the dictatorship like that's interesting to me and it's interesting they just kind of shove it in here but like obviously they haven't built it up at all or i don't know how much they're going to build it up yeah these last two not very cool first one very cool well it's the agion arc except with actual consequences instead of whoops we left this is the first time we see the effect they have on people's lives i mean in this case like these guys are being less dickish than the agion uh military guys were but only only a little bit they they relent eventually but at that point they're already pretty much wiped out they're not cartoonishly evil but in this case it's we just got our entire military killed with hubris instead of a random shot took out all of the guys yeah that's true that's true so i'm gonna guess that at least some of the people end up on the ship or do all of them end up on the ship uh, you will find out next time. I guess so. I mean, like, you can tell that uh, Kitty is important. Like, the second yep. you meet her, you're like, that's a that's a named character. That's gonna she's gonna hang around. Anyway, we will yeah. see you again in two weeks for episodes 25 through 28 of Space Runaway Ideon. Oh my God, we're almost in the 30s. We're almost there. We're so close. We're very close. We're only going to run 11 episodes on this whole series. Oh, there's that, there's that, that, that's what I've been thinking of the whole time, is that Kanye lyric where he says, got this bitch shaking like Parkinson's. Uh, there it is. Yep, that's it. That's where we stop. Goodbye, folks. Uh, never come in the front that's how you get it pregnant Fletcher says the one of us with a kid look. yes actually look <laughs> like he's got the knowledge <laughs> he brought the forbidden knowledge <laughs> he has the forbidden knowledge <laughs> I opened up the, ne- open the Necronomicon and it said don't come inside fuck <laughs> too late uh, god I'm it's just imagining re- like a Necronomicon like with a mouth on the front but you gotta put your dick in it to open it Guess no, 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 no. <laughs> the Necronomicama Sutra. Oh, yes. That's very good. Thank you. Well done. I'm going to take this joke clean. Well, now I guess I have to rename my cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <sighs>